Welcome to Breaking Bread. I'm Terry Page. If you hear my voice and are like most people, you use email or social media, or at the very least, I have a sneaky suspicion you use apps such as Spotify or Apple. Just a hunch. The FCC Commissioner wants Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores. Why? Because he says TikTok functions as a sophisticated surveillance tool that harvests extensive amounts of personal and sensitive data. Those are his words. Now, really, FCC Chairman Brennan Carr? We made similar statements on this very program over two years ago. So nice of you to join us. Why get excited now? We're going to talk during the program that cybersecurity goes real deep. There's opportunities that you see, some you don't see. Break and break contributor Sam Williams is going to help us kind of get through some of this. Sam, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Okay, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's, that's just going to be one of the many topics we're going to discuss. But the commissioner, commissioner wants Apple and Google to remove TikTok from the, Apple, from the app store. So he believes that there's going to be a breach with China. China's really getting our information and they're using it for surveillance. And that is really a sheep in a wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing, I should say, where it's all about the happy little short videos, but it runs deeper than that. What are your thoughts on it? My thoughts are very, very simple. One, TikTok is Chinese-owned. That's not an opinion. That's not a take. It's just the truth. Now, what does that mean? It means that if ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok, is asked for any of their information by the government that they're operating in, China, and China says, hey, ByteDance, I'd like your TikTok user information. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, Russian, Chinese, or American, or any nationality in the world. That is in TikTok's term, terms of service. And if you use their app, they can have certain information about you that you may not even be aware of. And China has complete access to that information. What my opinion on that is, don't give your information to Chinese assets. They've known not to have our best interest at heart. Not exactly our friends, right? No, not quite. Sure, we've made deals with them and things in the past, but when it comes to the intelligence community, China is seen more of, more as an adversary than a friend. Now, China, for their part, I remember a year ago when we were looking at this, they said, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. Nothing to see here. They did say that. They did. But the FCC uh, chairman is very concerned, and it, it, and rightfully so. I mean, your information is out there. It is going to China, and China has proven itself historically to not have America's best interest in mind. But there's other opportunities as well. If we look at, uh, if you want to really look at maybe pro-China, pro-China uh, propaganda, we're looking at social media accounts where they were stirring up opposition. They were having uh, even protests against some mining firms that we're looking at, some U.S.-based cybersecurity firms that said they were concerned just as we said a couple of days ago. Now, you're a cybersecurity guy. Is that cause for alarm? Just to clarify, China was targeting mining firms in a disinformation campaign or they were directly hacking them? 
Well, they said a politically politically motivated disinformation campaign on social media. Ah, misinformation campaigns. Aren't those fun? Aren't they? Yeah. I will honestly say, I haven't heard too much about this recently, but you said this happened in the last few days, right? Yes. Ah, I do need to catch up on the news cycles. But, (laughs) but... It doesn't sound like it's too far out of China's toolbox. I will say I haven't researched this specifically, but I'll I'll ask another question. What are they spreading disinformation about? What are the, what is their goal? Well, uh, according to Ro- uh, the Reuters report, they heard that the campaign was from um, Mandat, M-A-N-D-I-N-T. Oh, yeah, Mandat. Yeah, Mandat. Yeah, they tried to investigate what happened, yeah. but they really couldn't figure anything out. Yeah, Mandian is a really, really great company for threat intelligence, and I know that they've got a lot, a lot of research in um, in a lot of APT research and trying to figure out, oh, who's who? Because I'll tell you, in a digital world, attribution is very, very difficult. You know, if someone... <laughs> Someone throws a rock through your home. Well, you can, you know, maybe pull security cameras, ask around, figure out who did it. Someone, you know, logs into your home router. Well, there's so many different ways you can do anonymity and try to hide yourself. And Mandiant is really, really good at tracking those APTs down. So maybe I'll read their report on it. But Well, you mentioned yourself that if, it can, if it's a connect, it's a threat. Oh, yeah. That's right. a campaign I did about two years ago. If it can connect, it's a threat. And I'm actually uh, coming out with some things on that again this year later. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And if people want to catch up on that, where would they go? I uh, go to my blog. It's dev.to slash shadow. Shadow is spelled S-S-H-A-D-0-W. And also I have a YouTube channel and LinkedIn and all these different things and Twitter and Instagram. But honestly, if you just search SSHAD0W, you'll be fine. You'll find me. Uh, but it is a whole, it is an entire campaign of basically, if it can connect, it's a threat. It's a simple way to think, okay, is this vulnerable? Is this something that can pose a threat to my home or th- pose a threat to my business or anything like that? And the answer is, if it can connect to the internet, it's something you need to be monitoring. Now, something you just said a couple of minutes ago as far as trying to find the culprit, a lot of these social media companies aren't always forthcoming to what's going on. For example, Rotor, CNBC, and some other published uh, report media did ask for a comment like for a rare earth, uh, social media firms like Facebook, Twitter. None of them gave a, gave a response. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it does kind of go back to the... The old gold standard of capitalism. Okay, we have to make some money. We have to do these things. You know, it kind of looks bad when people are using your platform not for a voice, but to bring other companies down. So, I'm well, at the right at the end of the day, you want people on your platform. You want people on Facebook. You want people on the user Apple products. So you don't want anything that's going to going to scare them away. So that's kind. Of, I'm, I'm getting. They didn't say. They didn't say that. They're not saying anything. But I would imagine why they're not running to the microphones. On Their silence microphone. says enough. Silence is golden, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about your profession a little bit. You know, the, the world of cybersecurity, right? They are anticipating mass resignations within a year. And now, based on what we just said, the first part of this program. 
that seems like that would be the last thing you would want is for it to be mass resignation. What is going on? Well, one, I'd like to say I'm not planning to resign anytime soon. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that because they're saying there's there's threats, there's combined threats, and it, it, it's still out there. Remember, we talked about the Colonial Pipeline. Oh. We're now talking about TikTok. Mm-hmm. We've talked about people hacking to your emails. So we kind of need the good guys, if you would, to kind of look for those things. Oh, yeah. But to be honest about the, re- the resignations... Cybersecurity, it is, one, a very, very lucrative field. If you can get into it and you can stay consistent with it, you can keep going and keep learning things and keep protecting from those threats, you can do a lot, a lot of damage. You know, you can you can grow financially, you can meet a whole bunch of smart people, you can travel and all this stuff. So the big question is, why are people resigning? Why are people, you know, getting out of it? Well... One, nobody likes to talk about the R word, but that recession is creeping up on us for reasons that probably even I don't understand. But if you think about it, there's really not enough of us. I don't know if you know, but as of, I believe, 2018, there's about a third of cybersecurity workers in the industry as there should be. There should be about three, about three times more <laughs> of us. And the reason why is just because there are so, so many different threats and problems. And we're trying to get more people into the field and train people up and figure out how to get into it. And, you know, cybersecurity, again, is offering these huge salaries there. We've all found somebody who has a story of, oh, yeah, I studied for six months and now I'm in cybersecurity. I'm making, you know, six figures and all this kind of stuff. And it's still difficult to bring people in. And honestly, it's because a lot of us are burned out because there isn't enough of us. A lot of us are trying to fight pretty much cyber wars and (laughs) trying to fight on so many different fronts at the same time because we don't have enough people. And so it's one of those catch-22s of saying, yes, if you're working in cybersecurity right now, It wouldn't surprise me if you told me that you were burned out. We pretty much all are. However, if there's enough of us and we invite enough people to come in and learn the threat landscape and learn how to find IOCs, uh, indicators of compromise, and try to escalate them and do all these different things, then we can finally band together and one, our personal industry will be saved and we'll have a, a good balance. And two well, our country would be saved. We wouldn't have to worry as, uh, worry about as many cyber threats. You mentioned IOCs. Just to put it in perspective for our listeners, there's threats that you hear about in the media, and there's something new every day, and there's so many that you don't hear about. Yeah, like the thing you just brought up to me that <laughs> I didn't know about. I seriously did not know about that at all. So, yeah, I mean, even me being in the field, reading on this every single day, there's still so many things I will never know about just because I don't have that time. Right, and the average person listening to this program right now... Has even less time. And they right, they, they have less time. They're, they're, they're taking kids to the daycare or they're... They're, they're going to work, or whatever the case may be. I don't expect them to, it. you know, learn about this stuff more than me. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. But, but to your point, published reports are saying that people are suffering from stress, burnout, upper management is being pushed out because of unrealistic expectations. Oh, yeah. 
So where does that leave the rest of us? Again, it's it's a catch-22 to say, yes, if you work in cybersecurity and you're hearing this, I feel you. I see you. You are probably burned out just like I am. But if you invite more people into the field, we get more people training. There was one point where computer science as a whole, let alone technology and specifically even cybersecurity, was not very diverse. It was nothing but straight white men. Here I am sitting here as a black man in cybersecurity, and then we're getting more LGBTQ people in there. We're getting more women in. We're getting more young people in. We're Telling people, hey, you don't have to be coming out of college or even going in to learn how to code. You can learn how to code at 40 or 50 or however young or old you are. It doesn't matter. And now there's a lot of initiatives trying to get people in the field, right? So, yes, there is a lot of burnout. But honestly, if you are in cybersecurity and you're hearing this, please reach out to someone who you think would do well in this. Please get people in there. Start recruiting. Uh huh. Start recruiting. <laughs> exactly. As we, uh, we make a joke about it in cybersecurity, everybody's a recruiter. Oh, you're an engineer. No, you're not. You're a recruiter because <laughs> we, we, we need more people. And so then there wouldn't be as much burnout if there's more people involved, if there's more people to, you know, take the brunt of all that's going on. People enjoy putting their personal information out. And it really is a criminal's dream to have that happen. Hey, I'm going to be on vacation next week, or mm-hmm. here's pictures from the from the beach. So that means, ooh, their house is available. Well, I got security cameras. Well, you know what? Those can be hacked. Oh yeah, I'm actually uh, about to come out with a with a YouTube video just about that, about how security cameras and TVs and printers and anything that's in your home can be hacked. But that's a long sentence, so I typically like to condense it to if it can connect. It's a threat. It's a threat. People remember that a little better. <laughs> well, ransomware is the biggest global cyber threat right now, and those attacks are evolving. So we look out for that. I mean, hacking is getting dangerously close to the to the average person. Uh, those are the predictions, and you know you got the, the white hats like the people like yourself who try to circumvent the bad guys from getting into your personal information or hacking those cameras, for mm-hmm. example. That's exactly what. Uh, that's exactly what I'm trying to promote. There, with the, if it can connect, it's a threat methodology and mentality, right? I'm trying to make sure that everyone can keep that one simple sentence with them and realize, hey, if it can connect, it's a threat. And let's expand on that, right? What does that even mean? The first thing it means is monitor your assets. You can't protect something that you don't know exists. If you don't know what's there. How are you going to monitor it? How are you going to know what password it has, whether it's a secure password or not so secure password? How are you going to see what traffic is going in and out of it? How are you going to put security policies on it? So you first have to know that it's there. It's a villain you can't hear or see. Exactly. Or see, see no evil, hear no evil. Well, evil still evil. exists. Right, exactly. Uh, beyond just knowing that it exists, the next step is having some sort of plan, having some sort of auditing. No, it's not fun, and no, it's it's not something that we all keep up on extremely, extremely regularly. But it is something that's necessary. Going back through and auditing your email account just to find any old passwords that you used to use that are still that are still active. Going back through any of your internet-connected devices. These might be 
These might be TVs, these might be printers, these might be some kind of home assistant or digital assistant or something like that, like an Alexa, Google Home, or Apple's, I think, home assistant, right? And finding those, finding those passwords and if making sure... If I can sure. interject for just a second. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're listening to the show, please do not use your dog as your password. Yeah, yeah. You would think in 2022 that that wouldn't happen anymore, but... Again, it's still so many simple things. I mean, my literal job is offensive security researcher. It goes by many titles. Penetration tester, ethical hacker, red teamer, blah, blah, blah. But the crux of what I do is someone contracts me to hack them and write about how I did it. And then I give them that report and they say, oh, wow, thank you. We're going to go fix this. That's... The crux of what I do. But if there are still dogs' names as passwords in 2022, <laughs> then somebody didn't read the reports. Somebody didn't read the reports. Someone didn't implement the security changes. Someone didn't implement a plan, which is that next step, right? You need to have that plan and make sure you audit over and over again and say, hey, what's the worst thing that could happen if this does get compromised? How do I fix that? What do I do? Who do I even call? And if once you have that plan, you know even just a general plan, a plan gonna, of action, mm-hmm. it'll it'll help you so so much. I do want to mention what also came out in reports. You mentioned you had you're trying to recruit people, but one of the concerns they had is that uh, getting qualified professionals. A lot of times, people do not possess the right skills or qualifications oh. to keep those IT requirements, keep no. those systems going. So that that's a really big. Concern so that, for getting people. That is more of, how do I say this in a nice way? Conjecture. There are entry level jobs, and entry level jobs mean that there is no experience required. If you see someone offering an entry level job and it says three to five years of experience, just go ahead, just chuck it in the pile. It actually is getting a little better. It really is. There are even so many cybersecurity jobs that pay you to get trained, okay. right? And that, that's, what, that's what a lot of people are looking for. That's what a lot of the industry is shifting to. Because, no, I can't pull someone random off of the street and then put them in a, a SOC, a security operations center, and tell them, hey, I need you to check out all of these incidents and then have you know six reports on my desk by Tuesday. I can't do that. But what I will do is I will pull that same person off the street and say, hey, go take a month and learn these basic security principles. Go take a, you know, a few weeks and understand cloud architecture. And I'll give you a few battle buddies to figure it out and a mentor that's already been doing this stuff. Right. And that's really what it looks like when you get into the real companies, the the good companies that actually care about what care about the the whole point, (laughs) care about moving us forward. So my point is, yes, there are sadly still some companies that will not be considerate enough to take a chance on someone when take a chance on someone with absolutely no professional experience or very little technical skills you know train that person there's mm-hmm. something i mentioned earlier too when i was talking about people don't really have the time to pay attention to a lot of this because they're driving there they're driving back and forth from work now there's the people who also are working from home and ironically that also counts to what we're talking about today as well because they're seeing those hybrid workers 
workers, they add to another dimension of cybersecurity crisis because you're off-site and that poses a whole other threat. Yeah, that, that does exist. However, of course, with anything, with, with any problem, there's always solutions. You know, it, there, are, there are VPN solutions, there are off-site uh, off-site connection guides and things like that where internal teams will try to make sure that homes have a have somewhat of a secure environment before they do a bring your own device policy or things like that so yes there are companies that have had issues with moving towards the the at home you know work from home type of style and making simple adjustments like don't click on emails that you don't recognize yes looks suspicious yes but it's improved a lot, especially after uh, the initial shock of COVID nineteen. It's improved a lot over the last few years. Honestly, the biggest the biggest technical issue that is being seen at the personal and enterprise level is still ransomware and some password attacks. Ransomware and password attacks, I'd say, are the highest things. But phishing phishing is still really up there. So. Absolutely. And to circle back before we leave today looking at TikTok and uh, other opportunities such as that people are trying to make money you know TikTok's trying to make money you know Facebook's trying to make money Google Apple so they, they try to make that balance of hey privacy hacking versus we want people to use our, the platform because we want advertising so this is balance we're working through every day yeah, and at the end of the day, if you really look at it from a purely technical, not geopolitical stance, from a purely technical standpoint, TikTok is just like any other app. It can read your clipboard, anything that you've copied to your clipboard. It can look at your pictures and videos and things like that and go through them if they'd like to. Uh, they can, you know, look at search history or things that are going through your phone as far as on the network side and things like that. But so can LinkedIn or Microsoft Word or uh, Safari or American-made apps. The only difference is, you know, we trust this government more than we do the other. So I'll put it to you this way. There's a reason why Breaking Bread does not use TikTok. Sam Williams, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Breaking Bread is a production of Artists for the People. Follow us on Twitter at BreakingBread101. That's break, the letter N is November, Bread101. Or catch us on Instagram, Breaking Bread Podcast. Check us out on Facebook. Visit our website, BreakingBread.biz. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at BreakingBread101. Give us a list on Spotify, Apple Podcasts app, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music was composed by Ludwig van Beethoven. Breaking Bread was created by Terry Page. Success is when opportunity meets preparation. Until next time.